Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. So glad that you are joining me today. This is part three as we look at the kindness of Ruth and the kindness of Boaz, which is the story of the kinsman redeemer, a picture of Christ redeeming us. Well, you know, we're all on a journey to somewhere. We don't just drift through life. You know, if you just drift, you're going to end up in some really strange places. But if you understand the purpose that God has for you, you will walk with precision. I heard this story of an Alaskan Airlines cargo worker. And he had fallen asleep in the cargo hold. The inattentive worker had inadvertently boarded a plane to the Seattle airport. The worker was shocked right, to find that he was in this cargo area in this plane that was taking off. He didn't know what to do. And so he dials 911 and he said, Hello, I'm trapped in this plane. And I called my job and, and I'm in this plane. The 911 operator says, You're where? The unnamed worker said, I'm inside this plane and I feel like it's moving in the air. It was. Flight 448 had taken off. And so this poor guy stuck in the cargo hold says, would you please tell somebody to stop? Uh, He continued to plead for help until the phone connection was cut off. Well, according to the news story, passengers heard a loud banging from underneath and at least one feared there might be a problem with the landing gear. Well, Alaskan Airlines said the employee was in a pressurized temperature-controlled portion of the cargo hold, uh, and he was taken to the hospital and was discharged after passing a drug test. Can you imagine being in such a situation, such a difficult situation? As we look at the story of, of Ruth, I gave you a lot of background information the last two days, but let me wind up this wonderful story of Ruth by reminding us that God uses his kindness oftentimes to lead us home. Naomi and Elimelech had moved from Bethlehem to Moab because of a great famine that was in the land. They were really, I think, out of God's will, but I want you to know that sometimes, in spite of being out of God's will, God can bring good out of it, because we know that all things work together for good, for those who love God and those who are called according to His purposes. That ought to bring you a little bit of hope today. Maybe you've made a mess of your life. Maybe you've headed in the wrong direction. You've done things that you know that you shouldn't have done. Uh, You've been places that you knew uh, you should have gone there, but you went there anyway. I I want you to know, if you will look for the kindness of God, you will see Him. And God's kindness will lead you home. Uh, We learn from the account that Naomi had lost her husband, she had lost her two sons, and and she is in a place of bitterness and resentment. But then she realizes that God is coming to the aid of His people. The famine is no longer in Bethlehem. Now it is barley season, and it's festival season, it's harvest time. And so she says, I'm going back home. I need to be back in Bethlehem. Those are my people. I need to be worshiping my God. Although I'm going back bitter, I'm going back. And she decides to go. And as she's heading back, her two daughter-in-laws wanted to go with her. And she encouraged them to stay there because they were not from Bethlehem. They were from Moab. But they wouldn't uh, take her advice except for Orpha. She did. But Ruth goes and heads on back with her mother-in-law. What a wonderful story. God uses kindness to lead us home. Secondly, we learn that God uses kindness to teach us the law of sowing and reaping. 
You know, the law of sowing and reaping, that's a universal law. It doesn't matter if you're a believer or non-believer. Whoever sows to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. Whoever sows to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Do not be mocked. Whatever man sows, that shall he also reap. We find this for good things and for bad things. We discovered that Ruth was kind to her mother-in-law. She left her people, and she said to Naomi, From now on, your God is going to be my God. Your people are going to be my people. Your country is going to be my country. She leaves her family. She leaves her familiar surroundings, and she goes with Naomi to Bethlehem. I love this, right? This shows the fact that she has found a saving relationship with Jehovah. The law of sowing and reaping. As we look at Ruth chapter 2, it says this, At this, she bowed with her face to the ground. She asked him, referring to Boaz, right? Because Ruth was kind to Naomi, God's going to use Boaz to be kind to Ruth. She asked him, Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me a foreigner? Now, I left some of the details out of the story yesterday. But I want you to know that when Boaz saw Ruth, he was impressed with her. And obviously, he must have done some investigating to find out who she was. But on the first day that she met Boaz, Boaz says, I'm going to take care of you. As a matter of fact, I don't want you to go to the neighboring fields. I want you to stay here with my women because you'll be protected. You know, he knew something about Ruth. He said, man, Ruth is a very attractive woman. I don't want her going somewhere else. I mean, she could be abused. She could be raped. They could take advantage. I want to protect her. And so Boaz protects her. And Boaz says, now listen, Ruth, every day you come back here, you come back to my field, you stay with my woman. I'll make sure that you're taken care of. I'll make sure you're you're well provided for. Boaz tells her, I heard about all the kind things that you've done to your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. Now, isn't this amazing? Ruth could have looked inward and said, what was me? You've lost a son, but I left a husband. But no, she's more concerned with caring for Naomi. And he goes on. He says, I know how you left your father and your mother, and you left your homeland, and you came to live with a people that you do not know. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. There it is, the law of sowing and reaping. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. And then Ruth replies to Boaz by saying, May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord. You have put me at ease, she says, by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servants. The law of sowing and reaping. You know, a kind word that is given will be a kind word that one day will be received. It's amazing how you can actually change the atmosphere of a room by being kind. It wasn't too long ago I was in the, in the prison and, and the guys were worked up. They were all keyed up. And I said, well, instead of us getting all worked up about what's happening, let's, let's just take a moment and thank the Lord for the administration. Uh, let's thank the Lord for the captains and the lieutenants and the sergeants and the correctional officers and, and those who are, are working in food service and, and uh, those who are working to keep us safe. And I said, this is far from a perfect environment, 
But if we look for things that we can give thanks for, it will change the whole outlook of what we're facing right now. And it did. You see, God uses kindness to teach us the law of sowing and reaping. God uses kindness to lead us home. I think about the prodigal son. Do you remember when the prodigal son came to his senses? There he is as a Jewish boy caring for pigs. And he would have ate the slop that the pigs were eating, but nobody offered it to him. And he's there in the pig pen. And that is where he comes to his senses. He says, man, how much better does my father's servants have? The servants of my dad have it better than I'm having it right now. Maybe, just maybe, the kindness of my father will allow me to go back, not as a son, but as a servant. Maybe dad will let me stay in the room over the garage and and I I can be treated like a servant. I'll work for him and uh, and he'll pay me a little bit. Uh, It'll be much better than where I am right now. But you know, the kindness of the father was much deeper than just allowing his son to come back as a servant. He welcomes him back. He says, this, my son, was dead, but now he's alive. He was lost, but now he's found. Let's have a party. Uh, You know, uh, those of us who are prodigals or were prodigals, we love the prodigal home-going parties, don't we? Now, if you're one that's never sowed a lot of wild oats, uh, you may resent the prodigal. That's what the older brother did. He was out and he resented his younger brother. He basically says to his father, look, what's a guy got to do to get attention around here? Go out and and live with prostitutes and go out and spend the family inheritance, lose everything, disgrace the family name, and then you come home and they they throw a party. Is that how you get attention around here? I have been faithfully serving you all these years. I I never sowed any wild oats. I've been supportive of you. When that, that son of yours goes off and lives wildly, I'm right here with you. Listen, look at the kindness of God. The father was kind to the older brother as well. But he missed it because he got hung up on the rebellious brother of his. God uses kindness to teach us the law of sowing and reaping. Whatever man sows, that shall he also reap. You know, the law of sowing and reaping is that we we sow less, but we reap more. But it's later and it's greater. You see, we don't reap immediately. Listen, God may be allowing you a time where you're, you're feeling like, I got away with this. God's not judging me. God's just being patient with you. And the law of sowing is that we sow greater, but we reap later. There's always a delay. But when will we reap a harvest? It's always more. Ruth is getting back much more from Boaz than she ever gave to her mother-in-law. God is using her as an illustration that God uses the law of sowing and reaping as a way of blessing us or as a way of correcting us. Number three, God uses kindness to teach us in our obedience. And there's a twist of events that happens in chapter number three, and we discover that Ruth is going to propose to Boaz. And Naomi explains to Ruth the custom of the land and says, now listen, Ruth, at the end of the festival tonight, after Boaz has had his fill, he's going to get tired. He's going to go to sleep for the evening. And I want you to go there and I want you to uncover the blanket of his feet. And he's going to startle. And he's going to wake up. And that's where we're going to pick up the story in just a moment. But before she does that, Ruth is to prepare herself for this. I guess you could say it's kind of like if you take your, your wife out for dinner. 
before you go, she can say, well, I need to get cleaned up and I need to get a, a different outfit on and I need to put a little makeup on and fix my hair. And, and so that's what Ruth instructs Naomi. You don't just walk in there like you just came off the fields. Now prepare yourself for this. And as she does this, Boaz is snoring away. And there is Ruth at the foot of his bed. Now there's nothing immoral that is happening here. This is a custom. Ruth, as Boaz is snoring away, takes the blanket off his feet. Something startles him, and he wakes up. And as he wakes up, we begin the story of seeing where the test of our obedience comes in and how kindness is used to test us in the era of obedience. Who are you, says Boaz? I'm your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. The kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all that you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am a guardian redeemer of our family, there is one another, uh, one other who is more closely related than I. Stay here for the night. And in the morning, if he wants to do his duty as the guardian redeemer, great. Let him redeem it. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. What an amazing story. We discover here God working this whole situation out for his glory, his honor. Boaz realizes that he is blessed. And he looks at Ruth and and he says, man, bless you. Because you could have gone and found a younger man. Uh, You could have found a richer man. Uh, You didn't base it on age. You didn't base it upon rich or poor. You have been kind to me. Everybody in this town knows that you're a woman of noble character. And to show you that Boaz was also a man of character, he says, well, there is one relative who's closer to Elimelech than I am, and we got to go check with him first. So here's the test of obedience. When God blesses you with something, how do you respond? How do you receive that blessing? You know, God does provide. He always will provide. But if we allow his providence to go to our head and we become filled with pride because he's been so gracious to us, I think we're going to lose the punch behind our lives. Which leads me to the last point. God shows his kindness to us to protect us in his sovereignty. There is a reward that is going to be given to Ruth and Boaz. Let me pick up the story. I mean, the book of Ruth begins with famine. There's a famine in the land, but it ends with a family. Let me pick up the last chapter, reading verses 1 through 8. Meanwhile, Boaz went up into the town gate, and he sat down there just as the guardian redeemer he had mentioned came along. Boaz says, come over here, my friend, and sit down. Now, I love how Boaz is responding here. He realizes that he's got a delicate situation on his hands. Here he's going to meet with a guardian redeemer, a family member, who is closer to Elimelech than Boaz is, closer in as relationship. And he says, listen, come over, my friend. He doesn't say, hey, get over here, idiot. I got something to talk to you about. No, no, he says, come over here, my friend. So he went over and he sat down. 
Boaz took 10 of the elders of the town and said, okay, so he's going to establish this with the witnesses of the elders of the town. Sit here, they said, and they do. Then he said to the guardian redeemer, now listen, Naomi, you know Naomi, married to Elimelech. She's come back from Moab, and she's selling a piece of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. Elimelech was Naomi's husband, but we're related to Elimelech. I thought I should bring this matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here, in the presence of the elders of my people. If you redeem it, do so. But if you will not, if you decide that you don't want it, let me know and I will redeem it. For no one has the right to do it right now except you. And then I'm next in line. And so Boaz is a man of character. He says, we got to do this the right way. Uh, you're in line to buy this land from our relative Elimelech. He's off the scene. His wife has been out of the country. She's back. Now she's trying to settle the affairs of her late husband. And so what does his relative say? I will redeem it, he said. Then Boaz said, oh, um, on the day that you buy the land from Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. At this, the guardian redeemer said, that I can't redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. Now, in earlier times in Israel's history, for the redemption, for the transfer of property to become final, one party would take off his sandal and give it to the other. This was the method of legalizing transactions in Israel. So the guardian redeemer said to Boaz, you buy it yourself, and he removed his sandal. So here we see an interesting scenario happening. We see this transaction taking place where the land is going to be transferred to Boaz. And with that transfer being established by the connection of a sandal and the testimony of the ten elders, here Boaz becomes the kinsman redeemer of Ruth and Naomi. What a fascinating story. To great risk of himself, he is buying this land and he's acquiring Ruth as his wife. It is a powerful story. You know, when we think about all the Lord has done for us, it's so easy for us to drift in our faith. But my hope today is that you will see the goodness of the Lord and that you will be reminded that Boaz is a picture of Christ himself. As we look at this fascinating story, we discover that God uses this relationship as a blessing to the nation of Israel. I told you earlier that Ruth is the grandmother of David. What a fascinating story. Ruth had Obed, and Obed had Jesse, and then Jesse was the father of David. You see, God uses things in our lives, even though it doesn't appear like it's going to come around, God always turns things around. I want to look at the story of Abraham for the rest of the week on our broadcast, and maybe I can whet your appetite as we look at the next several days of the broadcast. I want to be talking to you about why we drift from our faith. There's certain things that we do that are indicators that we are drifting. I found five indicators that show that we are drifting from our faith. And we're going to use the the story of Abraham and to see that Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, he was in big trouble. I mean, his family was in big trouble. 
Just like there's a famine in Bethlehem when we read the story of Ruth, there's also a famine in Genesis chapter 12. And Abraham's got to find a way to provide for his family. So what do they do? They pack up their camels, they pack up their belongings, and they move to Egypt. His wife, Sarah, she was a knockout. And it says that when they were on their way to Egypt and they were going to get there to Pharaoh, he tells Pharaoh that Sarah is his sister. We see deception being used. Well, his reason was that his wife uh, was beautiful. And he was afraid that, that if the Pharaoh found out he was married to Sarah, that the Pharaoh might kill Abraham so they could have Sarah. Well, they arrive in Egypt, and, and Abraham is extremely well-treated. I mean, he's like the long-last friend returning. He was given sheep, and he was given cattle, he was given servants. Well, obviously, the reason Abraham was being treated so well by Pharaoh is because the Pharaoh had intentions of marrying Sarah. He thought that they were brother and sister. Didn't know they were husband and wife. Uh, he was led astray. Being kind to the brother was just kind of like a down payment for this beautiful woman, Sarah. But God was not happy with this little deception. You know, he never is. So he inflicted Pharaoh and his household with a very serious disease. Not sure what it was, but it was pretty nasty. As a matter of fact, it was nasty enough to get Pharaoh searching for the reason uh, that he all of a sudden became so ill. Well, he quickly learns that Sarah is Abraham's wife, not his sister. So he says to Abraham, why did you do this? Have you lost your mind? I'm being punished because I want to take your wife, Sarah. And you told me that she was your sister. Yeah, and you thought your family was strange, huh? Well, Abraham is speechless. So Pharaoh says, take your wife and all that belongs to you and get out of here. I don't ever see you again. Well, Abraham then becomes like a gypsy. He's a drifter traveling from one location to another location. In spite of drifting around, he was still able to amass a fortune of gold and silver and livestock. After drifting around, he finally ends up where he started. He ends up at Bethel. Oh yes, Bethel. That's a sacred place that later became a city. It's 10 miles north of Jerusalem, which means house of God. It's where Abraham built that first altar to the Lord. Bethel is a place where he worshiped God and God spoke to him. That's why even today, a lot of churches are named Bethel. Abram, Abraham, once again, calls upon the name of the Lord. He's been drifting, but he finally is back on track. Yes, he's on track. Oh, and did I mention his nephew Lot? Lot was moving about with him. He also had a lot of fields and uh, flocks, rather, and, and herds and tents and a lot of stuff. In fact, the land was having trouble supporting them all. And Lot and Abraham's servants are starting to fight with each other. One conflict after another conflict. They fought, and uh, they fought when they had nothing. Now they're fighting because they have too much. Well, join me tomorrow as we look at this subject of what happens to us when we 
drift from God. And there's certain things that we stop doing. So join me for the rest of the week as we look at this fascinating subject entitled Five Indicators That You Are Drifting From Your Faith, using the story of Abraham. We'll be looking at Genesis chapter 12, 13, and 14. So please join me tomorrow. Now, in the closing moments of the broadcast today, how can I pray for you? You know, there's something about praying for one another that gives us a connection with each other. As we pray for each other, God brings us together. Even though we may not ever meet each other personally, we can be connected through prayer. So if there's a matter that I can pray for you about, shoot me a text at 252-267-2365, and I'll have our prayer team pray for you. If you want to remain anonymous, just shoot me a text that, hey, would you pray about this for me? I'll pray with you. I'll pray for you. And we'll pray together that God will give you victory. You know, the Bible says that we're to pray without ceasing. That means to always be in the spirit of prayer. I can pray with you even though I don't see you. I can pray with you and we'll be connected together as we pray for each other. Well, thank you again for joining me today. Join me for the next part of Signs That We're Drifting From God. God bless you. The number one more time is 252-267-2365. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.